Welcome to Figuring Things Out, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young families navigate the hurdles of everyday life. I'm your host, Victoria DeVita, owner of Victoria DeVita Writing LLC, and I am so lucky to be indulging in my passions of helping others. For the companion blog post to this episode, please check out victoriadevita.com slash figuring things out, and don't forget to like, rate, and follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. It's no secret to most that today's job market has become increasingly difficult to navigate. Between mass layoffs, a push for a return to the office, and an incredibly high standards for even entry-level jobs, it can be easy to feel like as a job seeker, you are fighting a losing battle. Just months ago, I was in the exact same position after getting laid off from my full-time job, and as the breadwinner of my family, it was an incredibly stressful time. So I wanted to dedicate my first episode to all of those people out there who are still in the midst of the job search in hopes of providing some insight, but mostly some hope for the job seekers. Joining me for the debut episode is Melissa Green. Melissa is a recruiter and talent manager who founded Phoenix Talent Group to help those searching for roles in fields such as healthcare, cybersecurity, information security, etc. Melissa had also founded Badass Coffee Causes, a roast-to-table company that supports several communities through their hashtag Coffee for a Cause initiative. As a wife of a Navy veteran and a member of the LGBTQ community, a mom and a wife, an all-around superstar, Melissa has dedicated her time and resources towards helping others, which is why she made the absolute perfect choice for our first episode. Melissa, thank you so much for being here. I know I you know, just gave a brief overview of who you are, but if you wanted to share a little bit about yourself, about your recruiting journey, uh, the Phoenix Talent Group to start us off. Yes, no, of course. Thank you for having me on here for the very first podcast. Um, this is exciting. So <laughs> yeah, so Phoenix Talent Group actually came to fruition, I would say back in November of 2022. And the reason for that is because I was part of the mass layoff when it came to technical recruiting. Um, I was the second batch of 2000 personnel that was laid off from uh, my previous employer. And I have been in recruiting for almost eight years. Um, I started my career in healthcare. So I was recruiting physicians, advanced clinical practitioners, which are your physician assistants, nurse practitioners, CRNAs. Um, and I have both agency and uh, corporate experience before moving into cybersecurity, InfoSec, and just all things under IT, which I absolutely have a love of. Um, but unfortunately, it was during a time where you had the holidays, you've had the hiring freeze, um, and it was just really difficult finding another position for myself. So I figured, well, in the interim, why not create um, another, just kind of a DBA under my current LLC and do what I can to help other job seekers that's in my current position, even if it's just connecting with them, having a conversation with them and giving them um, information of different organizations or um, you know, things like programs that's available to them, um, advice, you know, from my experiences that might help them find another position, even connecting them with somebody that might be able to assist them finding another position. So I've been doing that since then. Um, I'm still myself navigating the hardships of unemployment, being the breadwinner of my family as well. Um, so, so yeah, so that's how Phoenix Talent Group came about. 
That's awesome. And I really love to hear that this, that, um, that unfortunate situation of you getting laid off started this, um, because that's exactly what happened with me as well. Um, for those who might not know who I am, I started Victoria DeVita Writing LLC in September of 2022 when I got laid off. Um, I was contacted by a company a couple months before that, and they were like, hey, we really love your profile, your resume. We'd love to have you join the company. I did. I thought it was going great. And then within a night, they sort of restructured the entire company and laid off my entire team. That entire position is no longer there. And all of a sudden, I was left without a job. I, um, you know, we were, I was the breadwinner. It was me, my husband and our daughter living on our own. And um, it was kind of this thing where I was like, well, either I sit and wallow in my bed all day, or I kickstart this business. And that's sort of what it's led to. And for so long, I was torn between dedicating all of my time to this writing business, but also trying to find a job. And in a lot of ways, finding a job is a full-time gig. You've got to be networking, applying, you've got to be interviewing. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, how full-time something like that could be. Um, but I also wanted to let people know who might be listening that we met through LinkedIn, which I know, um, you know, is a hot topic right now. LinkedIn is sort of the, um, the networking tool of the century. And, um, you know, we connected through there and that's how we sort of stayed connected. And so when you, um, when I was thinking about recruiters and, and guests for that platform, I had seen, you know, your posts and we had, uh, we had talked way back when, when I was looking for a job and, you know, to see if there was any way you could maybe help me and vice versa. Um, so to have you be a guest, the, the first guest on the podcast is really, really, um, you know, great. Um, but I wanted to sort of dive right in with questions because I did get a couple of people who had questions they wanted me to ask you. But the first one I really wanted to touch on is just why right now is so hard for job seekers. I know you brought up some of the reasons why it might be hard to get a job and why there might be layoffs. But, um, you know, I feel like every time I'm logging into LinkedIn, to Facebook, to Twitter, I'm seeing people who are affected, you know, friends, families, just acquaintances who have been affected by these layoffs and they're struggling for months to get hired. Can you maybe walk us through a little bit about why right now is so hard for job seekers? Yes. So I want to put out there that right now it's an employer's market, unfortunately. It is definitely not an employee's market. Um, and then you have to factor in that considering the layoffs, there's a lot of you that is competing for the same business, like the same position. Mm -hmm. um, with a Right now, we're looking at a potential recession. I say we're already going through one. I don't care what anybody says. We're already going <laughs> through one, um, yeah. unfortunately. And a lot of these businesses are foreseeing that. So they want to save you know, on their budget. And I think their budget is first and foremost um, in the forefront of their mind. I was one of the highest paid on uh, the contract I was working on and us highest paid, we were let go first, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So you're adding in the recession, you're adding in the budget, those two right there, that's making it even more difficult. Um, I also want to point out that these companies, they're looking for somebody that has a lot of experience that can hit the ground running, but they want to pay them in nuts and bolts. And mm -hmm. 
are a lot of, you know, candidates that are, um, what's the word that are like, uh, I'm trying to think that, that they're just, you know, desperate enough. Like settling. To, yeah. Right. To settle for that um, mm-hmm. instead of what they're worth. But in this time, in this economic, you know, time that we're going through, it's almost as, it's almost like it is easier to settle because that is a, you know, kind of guaranteed pay, but you're still struggling because you're not paid what you're worth. You're not paid what you were being paid in your previous position, but at least you have a position, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so back to that question, I know I kind of got off a little bit of a track, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that do play into it. You know, the recession, um, the budget cuts, um, and just the time period, usually the first quarter of each year is the hardest and it gets better with every quarter. So we're hoping that quarter two, um, things will look up and I see a lot of positions out there, but like I said, you're, you're competing with a lot of mm-hmm. people and that's what makes it even more difficult. Yeah. And that's actually something that I'll touch on a little bit later is, you know, just the amount of applicants that are out there, but something that you were mentioning was those sort of, you know, people who want 10 plus years of experience, but they're paying entry level mm-hmm. salaries. That's something I ran into a lot. You know, when I first started searching, I was like, all right, I'm doing 75K at least. I want completely work from home. I want these great benefits. I want this title because I've been in this industry for so long. And, you know, in my head, I was like, well, I should, I'm deserving of these titles. And I am absolutely, but I was, started, you know, as the months and months went on, I was like, well, I'll take 65, I'll take 55, you know, I'll take anything because at the end of the day, I have to put food on the table for my family. And I was like, well, maybe I'll try hybrid instead of completely remote and I'll sacrifice that time with my daughter instead to the point where it just was seeming less and less worth it. And when we think of, you know, the phrase, well, nobody wants to work these days and the Kim K meme and all that stuff that we're seeing, so many people have pushed back on that saying, well, no, we just don't want to work for scraps, which is what's happening right now. Um, And so going back to what you were saying with the, the amount of applicants, I remember seeing one that stuck out to me the most, which was when I was searching on LinkedIn, LinkedIn tells you how many other people have applied for that role. And one of the roles I was looking at was, you know, maybe just above entry level, no more than fifty-five to 65000 a year. And it had 800 and I want to say like seven applicants. And in my head, I'm thinking, even if I was the perfect fit for this role, there's no way I'm getting seen out of 800 people. There's no way I'm getting picked out of 800 people. You know, from a thinking of even from the recruiter side, how do you sift through that many people? Um, and, you know, do you have any sort of insight on what the what that might look like on the company end or the recruiter end that might help people sort of stand out amongst that that large pool of people? Or is it really just a numbers game? Depends on the company. <laughs> Let me put that there. So it also depends on the recruiter and how diligent they are um, maintaining their job post. So on the recruiter side, when we post a position, we have kind of like a back-end admin um, where we see all the applicants coming in um, on LinkedIn Recruiter. 
they're actually really, really good about letting you know who matches your position and who doesn't, because mm. you're not a really good match for the position. We're not going to click on you. Um, there's like an algorithm that that goes with that, but we're not going to kind of like take our time to take a look because mm. already you don't have what we need. So we're already going to, you know, we're already going to disposition you, but the ones that are showing as a match, we do take our time again, depending on recruiters, I'll just right. use myself as an, you know, an example. Um, I do take the time to take a look at the resume and if they've answered the questions, because I'll add in required questions. If you don't take the time to answer the questions that I've provided as you're applying that right there, I won't, you're going to be dispositioned because that to mm -hmm. me, Sounds like, well, you just didn't really want to take the time to do it. You didn't feel it was necessary. There's reasons why we ask these questions. Right. Um, but if you do answer them, I do take a look at the resumes. If it's a really good fit, I tend to reach out via LinkedIn. And yes, I want to set up a call and kind of go through and like a really quick screening and see if this position is a fit for you and if you're a fit for this position. Um, so nine times out of 10, we actually reach out. So we do a lot of sourcing and, um, you know, we talk to our candidates over those that just apply and come in because when we source, we're strategic about it. So mm -hmm. we are actually sourcing candidates that we know you know, would be a good fit. Granted, they may have to pass an interview or like a technical, you know, test for the lack of a better right. term. But at the same time, it's like we're strategically sourcing. So we know that if we reach out to you, you're somebody that we are higher, like highly considering and mm -hmm. somebody that we do want to put through the interview process and that we do want to vouch for. Yeah. And that's something that is always like, like I was saying, when I was applying and I was saying these, you know, 400, 500, 600 applications, a big chunk of what I was thinking in my head was that, you know, there's no way I'm going to be able to get that, uh, you know, that conversation that to get to that screening call process, you know. Um, but one thing I kept hearing, which I have some opinions on and we can talk about, but is the idea of just, well, reach out to that recruiter on LinkedIn, reach, you know, send that connection request, send that in mail, uh, in mail. I feel kind of like that phrase of just, oh, just connect with them on LinkedIn has kind of become the millennial version of, well, just go in there and shake the boss's hand and give them your resume. Like that my grandfather used to say, like of just, you know, we'll just go down to the local store and hand them your resume and they'll love that approach. Do you kind of feel like that's similar or do you think still that reaching out via LinkedIn and networking that way is still sort of the the best strategy you could be using? Kind of both, because I do see the similarities between, you know, going in and actually introducing yourself and, you know, handshaking and handing over a resume. So right now, LinkedIn is the go-to professional network. And it is recommended if you, well, let's say if you see a, um, like the recruiter attached to the job description, I do recommend connect with them, you know, connect with them, send them a message because you're sending them that message and it's going to pop up and they're going to take a look at your profile. Um, mm -hmm. They're going to click on your link to see 
who is this person? Are they qualified for my position? So that does kind of get you in um, the front of everybody else who does not do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's, let's say, a company that you would love to work for, um, but maybe they don't have a position for you, or if you did apply for a position, but the recruiter wasn't linked, just go to their page, go to their page, take a look at the employees, search recruiter or HR or talent acquisition and start connecting because these recruiters, um, the ones that are willing to connect with you and willing to have that conversation with you, they're going to want to see what they can do for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So I would say yes, 100% in today's day and age, yes, connect with them. Um, Networking is still key and Mm -hmm. doing what you can. And even if Let's say you find somebody that has that you have a mutual connection with. See if your mutual connection knows this person like intimately um, mm-hmm. on a professional basis. Yeah, <laughs> hang out with your ex boyfriend's recruiter, yeah. you know. <laughs> but on a professional basis, and mm-hmm. maybe they can do kind of like a warm introduction. Yeah, that sounds like. A much better approach than the, you know, walking into the bosses or the, you know, the local mom and pop shop. Um, but like for those intro messages where you're you're messaging that recruiter, maybe it's a cold message. You know, you've never you don't have a mutual connection with them. Do you have any tips on, you know, something that's going to catch that recruiter's eye that's going to make them want to click on your link? Um, just I'm I'm really big on being authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely just want to be yourself, introduce who you are, but lately I'm also big on chat GBT. So I would say <laughs> <laughs> the freelance writers arch nemesis right now, yes, I would say <laughs> go to chat GBT and, um, draft in there what it is that you would like to say and ask it to rewrite professionally and, mm. or just say that, you know, rewrite from candidate to recruiter and write in there what you would like to say, and it will draft a really good message for you. And just go in there and just kind of like um, be strategic about it and change a few things because you want to make it sound like it's you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, know that it's something that is really professional that you can send to the recruiter. And because it's that professional, they're going to want to click on, um, you know, on your profile. But there are companies that even in their application process, they want something, give me a one-liner that's funny and witty. And I'm like, okay, I'm weird. I'm unique. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just like, just, just pay attention to maybe the vibe and the culture of the company itself. Um, Take a look at their activity and just see how they respond. How are they? Um, Mm -hmm. What is their persona like? And when you reach out to them, just make sure it's professional, but get across who you are, what you do, and why you're reaching out to them. Right. And for any fellow writers and marketing people out there, there will be an episode on ChatGBT and AI tools in general, because I am on team that they can be a great resource and a great uh, partner. And I know a lot of people right now are on the AI is evil, robots are going to take over the world train. So there will be an episode where we we talk about that. But finding creative ways to use it like that is really, really innovative. And so I think that is an incredible piece of advice that we'll definitely talk more about um, in the AI episode that I eventually do. Um, But sort of transitioning back to 
the actual application where you were saying, you know, maybe they're asking for a one liner. Maybe they want these, you know, I've, I've, I've sent in applications where they're like, take a 20 minute assessment, take a, you know, especially if you're doing any sort of writing or marketing thing, you know, send in your portfolio, maybe do a free writing test, do all these things where it can feel like the end of the world if you don't. But why do you think so many jobs now are requiring, you know, all of these steps before you even get to the interview process? Um, I would say kind of that might be a simple answer. <laughs> and that's because you can lie on a resume, mm. but you cannot lie about your actual skills. So right. take somebody that's a software engineer. Oh, they can put on their resume. Oh, I got Python and Java and JavaScript and, you know, TypeScript and C plus and plus and C sharp. And they can say that all they want. Mm-hmm. But they go through a technical, um, like a technical test. And the reason for that is, okay, so you say you can do C sharp and that it's your strongest language. All right. So go ahead and code, code me something. Mm-hmm. Here's my question. Code me something that'll be, you know, that will answer that question. Make sure you put in your data structures and algorithms. Um, and that right there will tell you how strong their coding ability is. And that's mm-hmm. just the same with writers. I mean, you can say, oh, I'm an excellent writer, but you got to put the pen to the paper to back up your words. It's almost like mm-hmm. put some money where your mouth is. Okay. You're right. Okay. All right. Write me something. Let's see how creative mm-hmm. you get. So a lot of these companies are starting to realize that. And I wouldn't say starting to because they've been doing it for a while. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they do realize that anybody can make up stuff on their resume. But in order to pass and want and get hired at their company, they've put these in place to test your abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you should do well, well, great. Right. Great writer. You can come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know from, you know, from the writing perspective, a lot of the times, especially now that I am, you know, more established in the field, if I'm applying for, you know, a contributor job or a freelancing gig, I've shifted a lot away from doing those free writing tests and, you know, to each their own. And for every writer, it's going to be different, whether you're just starting out, whether you're very established. But I know a lot of the focus on that is, you know, like you were saying, you can lie on the resume, but even further, I think it goes towards that sort of inaccessibility of this timeline, because it could be, you know, I apply for the job. Okay. Maybe in two weeks, they send out this writing test. They're not paying me for it. And then, okay, I submit it. Two weeks more go by. Now they maybe want to set up the first interview. And so many jobs right now are requiring two, three, four plus interviews. And maybe this whole process takes a month plus where I don't have a month plus if I need to be putting food on the table. So how do you sort of, you know, what advice do you have for the job seeker who is getting kind of frustrated with all of these hurdles that they're having to jump through for these jobs? Um, I would say that it's probably going to continue. Unfortunately, um, the time span or the time frame for interviews really does depend on companies. And mm-hmm. one of the good questions, one of the best questions I would say to ask any sort of, um, you know, interviewer is, what is this like if it's an initial phone screen what mm-hmm. is the timeline 
you know, for the interview look like? What is what does this interview entail? But also keep your options open by applying for other positions because mm-hmm. you may get scooped up pretty quick in a, with another company instead of this specific one. Um, right. So I would just say just keep like keep applying. And if there's like certain hardships where, okay, let's say you can't make your mortgage or, you know, uh, you might not be able to pay this utility there's usually organizations that you can reach out to that will be able to help. And right now they're promoting it even more because of all the layoffs that's been happening. Um, mm-hmm. And the time frames, you know, it's taking to yeah. get another position. Like I said, I've been laid off since November. I still don't have a full-time position and I'm still growing my business. So right. I'm there at that point and I completely relate to everybody that has, you know, been laid off for such a long time and trying to find their new home, um, mm-hmm. like their new, you know, work home. And- I mean, I've taken side jobs. I've taken part-time jobs and the, in the last, you know, however many months it's been since I got laid off. And I mean... It does. I, I think I totally understand people's frustration. I have worked or I've interviewed for companies where they'll say, hey, we're going to make it really quick. We're hiring urgently. We want to get somebody in started very soon. And then a month will go by and I still have one more interview to do. You know, it's I think we like we talked about at the very beginning, these standards that these companies are setting. And one of those standards that is incredibly frustrating for job seekers is this dedication to a timeline of, you know, there might be three to four to five weeks where you are interviewing and talking to the recruiter or talking to the hiring manager about this role before you even get presented an offer, let alone maybe then a couple weeks later to start. So, you know, it's just this incredibly, I think, vicious cycle that's going on right now. Like you were saying, it's, it's definitely an employer market where they can take the time that a job seeker doesn't necessarily have. But one of the things you recommended, which I wholeheartedly agree, is to keep applying in the meantime and keep having those conversations. Um, because one of the things that I was getting tra- tripped up on was, you know, I would apply, I would start interviewing. And then in my head, I've already planned out the next five years with this company. And I've uh, created my dream life where I now have this job. And I've stopped applying and I've stopped posting on LinkedIn and reaching out, come to find out a month later, I didn't get it. And now we're back at square one, you know. Um, So don't do what I did. um, And, you know, keep actively making this a part of your routine. But also something else I wanted to ask you about is, but how do you incorporate job hunting into your life without making it the end all be all for you? Because for me, it was like, I'm dedicating a full-time job worth of energy to job searching, which can be so draining because Mm -hmm. you have to constantly be explaining yourself, justifying why you want so much money. You have to be preparing for these interviews, learning of everything about these companies. So how do you encourage your the people you're working with to stay hopeful, to stay motivated, to take some time for themselves? You know, what sort of advice do you offer to people like that? So I actually came up like um this is something that I was doing as well is I was applying like every day to every position that I'm like, oh, this sounds great. And I'm going to be a good fit for this. And, yep. um, you know, just kept applying and, and you figure at the end of a week, 
I'm pretty sure you probably hit like 100, 150, 200 applications that you put through. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, yesterday, or actually the day before yesterday. He's amazing. He's amazing. His name's Eric Brew, and he's from um, American Corporate Partners on the military talent side. And so I was speaking with him and you can just tell my frustration because I put in just all this time and energy mm-hmm. to apply to all these positions and I'm still not getting any sort of bites. And he was like, well, you're wearing yourself out. He was like, it's better to, you know, maybe put anywhere from three to five applications in per week. He said, because the key is you want to tailor your resume. And that's what everybody says now. And it's really, really big because the applicant tracking systems are getting even trickier. You know, they're Mm -hmm. getting harder to pass because they're looking for certain keywords. And so, you know, he was, he was like, you want to tailor that resume. He said, so instead of just having your master resume and tailoring it for these 100, 150, he's like, because you're going to wear yourself out. He was like, just tailor it for about three to five, you know, applications per week Mm -hmm. because you're giving yourself a break. You're not like hurting mentally um, and you're not dropping the ball as you're tailoring. You're actually spending the time to take a look at the job description, take a look at your resume and figure out how to merge it um, with stuff that you already, you know, you already know how to do. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, all right. So I know for me, the remainder of this week, I'm like, no, I'm not applying anything. I need a a Um, (laughs) little treat yourself moment. (laughs) Yes. And I've also written an article on LinkedIn too about, you know, staying motivation, like motivated during your, you know, your job search. And there's- Mm -hmm. Which uh, we'll link down like in the podcast notes for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Um, But, you know, there's ways to keep motivated. Like just don't sit down and apply all day long, you know, go for a walk, do some yoga to kind of woo song. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, watch a show, like binge watch a season. I will binge watch, you know- a lot of dramas. <laughs> so, binge watch. Um, go hang out with your friends. Go have a cup of coffee. Um, it's just like this is your time to just kind of sit back and just think about, okay, what is it that I really want to do? Do I want to continue on this route? Do I want to pivot to something else? Mm-hmm. Um, but it really calms you down because you're not like constantly applying. You're not constantly searching. You're not being stressed out. You're just like, okay, just having that positivity, you know, it'll come Mm -hmm. when it comes. There's time for everything. You know, I'll do what I can to get there. But like I said, it gives you that time to be able to tailor that resume. Um, Because again, you're not super stressed out. You're not frustrated with the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that is, something that I've had to take to heart a lot. So, I mean, I'm technically no longer a job seeker in the traditional sense. I'm not looking for a full-time job anymore. I've officially switched gears to focus 100% on this business. And, you know, the applying that I am doing is for freelance gigs and, you know, getting getting that client pool built up. But I think even I in the last like month or two that I've transitioned have still had to kind of knock myself out of that mindset of, well, I have to search for every freelance job out there that meets even a little bit about what I want to do. And I mean, for people in the creative field, there's always that talk of niching down and what that looks like. And 
that's advice I've truly had to take to heart of, you know, maybe I'm not applying for every single freelance writing job that's out there, but I'm waiting for that one that comes along that I can really pitch myself to because not only is it something I want to write about, but it's something I'm good at writing about. So I think that advice is incredible and something that I hope people take away from this episode is, you know, prioritize self-care during such a frustrating time because it can truly be draining um, and send out less applications. Um, You don't have to be sending out 200, 300 applications a week, which is what I was doing at my peak job search, um, but send out just a couple of really well-tailored and hopefully that'll get you past those 800 applications, those algorithm screenings, those questions being answered to help you stand out. Um, Just a couple more questions before we wrap up. Do you find that any job boards out there are more reliable than others? Because obviously we've got ZipRecruiter, Glassdoor, Indeed, LinkedIn, Facebook jobs, Craigslist, all of these job boards that are, you know, posting a lot of time the same job. Um, but do you find that any one or the other is going to be the best option for job seekers? Yes, actually. Um, LinkedIn is a really big one. Um, most of the companies are making sure that they post on LinkedIn for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Indeed is a very good one as well. And uh, flex jobs, actually. Flex jobs, especially if you are looking for remote work, they also mm-hmm. have on site, but FlexJobs is kind of like a paid service. It's really low for the year, so it's really not that bad. But they every job that's on FlexJob is vetted. That's mm. the that's the key. So it is vetted, and in their legit positions, um, and you can you know source from different in like industries. You can kind of filter it with the states. Um, you know, with your like whether it's remote, on site, if there's travel. Um, so. I love flex jobs. So those are kind of like my go-to flex jobs, indeed, and LinkedIn. Um, sometimes I will look at zip recruiter, but to be quite honest, it's probably like my last option. Mm-hmm. Um, any of the others, like for one career builder, that's kind of becoming obsolete. That to me is not the easiest to use for a recruiter, but it's ridiculous on the candidate side. Monster's pretty good, um, especially mm-hmm. in the tech space. Monster's pretty good. Gotcha. But it's not my go-to. Monster, if you put your contact information on there, you're going to get calls from people who don't even know about the job that they're sourcing for. Like I get calls, oh, come be a cybersecurity analyst. Uh, did you read my resume? Right. Like, you know, so you get spam. So it's, yeah, you know, at your own risk <laughs> with Monster. Those are all good options. And I think, you know, LinkedIn, I feel like, is always sort of people's go-to, especially now where for so long we were disconnected because most people weren't in office. Most people weren't going out a bunch. So LinkedIn was a great way to sort of connect and network in place of not being able to go out to networking events. Um, The last question I have for you to sort of end our conversation is if you could give sort of one general piece of advice to job seekers right now, what would that be? That it'll, it'll, it'll get better. You know, it'll get better. Um, There was like what, like over a decade ago, I think it was what, 2008, if I'm correct, there was a recession. Mm -hmm. Um, Recessions aren't something that's going to last forever. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's going to end up getting better. 
from here, hopefully. You know, usually your second, third, and fourth start going up. Um, last year just was a crazy year, the second half. So mm-hmm. just don't get too frustrated. Um, I know that us recruiters, certain recruiters, <laughs> the good recruiters, <laughs> Um, the good the ones. Boat. <laughs> but, um, you know, we want to do the best that we can. I know I'm there. Um, anybody can connect with me. And I'm always open for a conversation and seeing how I can assist. Even if it, like I said, is just connecting you with another, um, like another connection or sending you to this organization. Um, so it's just like, definitely reach out, you know, just Connect network for one. Networking is really, really huge. Um, Mm -hmm. Know your community. Um, So, you know, for those that's part of the military community, there's a lot of organizations out there for us. Um, We're a very tight-knit community, and we always want to do what we can to help others. Um, There's other communities, you know, so it's like just know your community, see who you can reach out to. There's always somebody there to assist. Mm Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, So thank you so much, Melissa. I've gotten some great takeaways and there will be a companion blog post to this as well, which will, you know, have some more. But essentially the big takeaways that I've gotten from this are, you know, we're in an employer market. Don't take it personal if you're not getting those callbacks or if you're not getting those, you know, emails to set up interviews. Um, You know, understand that those large applicant numbers that you might be seeing aren't always true. You know, not everybody is going through, not everybody is even being seen by the recruiter or the hiring manager. Most of them are getting weeded out in those first few stages by the algorithm. Uh, Send out less applications like we talked about, you know, prioritize self-care, tailor your resume to the jobs that you really, really want. Um, And then it'll get better. You know, ending on that note is, I think, really, really great that, you know, it sucks right now and it seems sort of like this incredibly frustrating, very hopeless time almost, but that it will look up eventually. Um, You know, there's plenty of other topics that I think we could, um, you know, talk about if we had forever and ever. Um, And I'm sure there, you know, there's something even just in our conversations that I'll want to make new episodes about, but um, where can people, find you, get a hold of you, you know, is there anything you want to plug for the end of the episode? We'll also have your links in the podcast notes as well and on the website. But um, if there's anything you want to plug, feel free. Yes. No, um, they can definitely reach me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there and uh, they can connect with my profile. They can reach out to me. Uh, email would be hello at phoenixtalentgroup.com. Um, and then if you want a good cup of coffee, go to badasscoffeecauses.com. So you can definitely order there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Melissa, for being our first guest on the first ever podcast of Figuring Things Out. Um, for anyone at home listening, there will be episodes weekly. Thank you so much everyone for tuning in to our first episode of figuring things out i am so incredibly excited to be launching this podcast it has been a dream of mine for a very very long time thank you so much to melissa for being our first guest on the podcast and for providing us with some lovely insights into the job market for those of you who are currently struggling with job searching and job hunting i wish you nothing but the best of luck And if you'd like to read more about this topic, feel free to read our companion blog post at victoriadevita.com slash figuring things out. 
Otherwise, I hope you like, share, and follow the podcast as we'll be posting weekly updates as well as weekly companion blogs on our website. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Thank mm-hmm. you.